BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and today we're talking about natural, comfortable, productive ways to talk to your kids about pornography to help protect them from the inevitable exposure that they get at a much younger age than you ever imagined. We're talking about why it's dangerous, how to teach kids what it is, how to recognize it, how to reject it, and how to deprogram yourself if you have been exposed or are wanting more of it. This is not a pleasant conversation to have. There's no question that it's uncomfortable and it brings up a lot of feelings for people, but it's an important one to have. And like all difficult conversations, the harder it is for us, probably the more important it is to have with our kids so that we're the ones doing it and not someone else. So my guest, Kristen Jensen, is the founder of an organization called Protect Young Minds. And she's the best-selling author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids, and Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, A Simple Plan to Protect Young Minds. And by the way, the Junior book is for really young kids. And the book Good Pictures, Bad Pictures is for under 12 years old. So it's actually not, we're not talking about older kids. We're really talking about young children because exposures have been happening so much. The minute your kid is introduced to the World Wide Web, they are introduced to the potential of porn. So what I like about this conversation is that we're talking about very clear-cut ways to engage kids in this conversation And of course, there's never just one conversation, it's over time, but concrete ways to talk to your kids, whether they're three or 13. And thank you for being part of this conversation. If you enjoy this show, please don't hesitate to subscribe, to rate, if it's a good rating, I love them. And don't hesitate to write a little review. And remember to follow me on at Raising Good Humans podcast Instagram. And DM me with any questions, which I try to get to either on Instagram or on the podcast during the questions and answers. This episode was way too long for questions and answers, but there was so much to unpack about porn. Well, it's great to be with you today, Lisa, because it is such an important conversation that parents need to have, and yet they feel ill-equipped 
to begin having that conversation with kids about the harms of pornography and what to do when they see it. And uh, there's just a lot of confusion. So that's why I do what I do. Well, I feel like you just basically threw out my first two questions, (laughs) which are, when should you talk to your kids about pornography? What should you talk to them about? And what should they do if they encounter it? And those questions apply for kids who are, let's say, under the age of 10, where they're not even having, like sexuality isn't even on their minds necessarily. And then for kids who are actually actively seeking it out for kids who are older tweens and teens. Right. So many parents think that, well, maybe I'll have a talk about pornography when my kids are teens, but actually you need to begin when they first have any access to the internet. And every three-year-old is on an iPad. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you don't want to give them the whole, you know, enchilada, I guess, (laughs) but you do want to start that conversation. And when you start it, you're just giving them gentle but important warnings about what they might see and what to do when they see it. And this is very easy when you start at a young age because you form the context, right? I mean, young children just accept what you tell them and Mm -hmm. you teach them not to run out into the streets. They might get hit by a car. So when they're on the you know, the super highways of the internet, (laughs) we need to do the same thing. As much as we can protect them with parental controls, Wi-Fi routers and uh, filters and all of that, which we definitely should be doing, but we have to also build an internal filter and persuade them to stay away from pornography because it really can harm their young minds as they as they grow it really can rob them actually of their own ability to develop sexually and to develop their own healthy sexual template pornography the messages in pornography can really rob a child of of that as Pet parents, working from home has given us more time to spend with our four-legged family members. Now we're more aware of their daily needs, their health issues, and their well-being. So if you've noticed that your pet is itchy or smells less than pleasant, which, you know, has happened during this pandemic, check out Scout's Honor. Scout's Honor is my go-to pet brand for grooming products that help with itch relief, odor control, and an overall healthier skin and coat. I love the Scouts Honor probiotic grooming products because they are scientifically proven. They're a natural solution for treating pet skin problems and they support healthy bacteria and fight against the bacteria that causes irritation. Another thing that's so wonderful about Scouts Honor is that with every purchase, Scouts Honor provides one day's worth of meals for a rescue animal in need. And with Scouts Honor, your pup will never look, feel, or smell better. So check out Scouts Honor's award-winning products today, available online or wherever pet supplies are sold. 
And you can receive 20% off your first order by going to scoutshonor.com slash humans. And remember that scouts with a K. So it's S-K-O-U-T-S, scoutshonor.com slash humans for 20% off your order. Scouts Honor, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. And you guys know, I think, how much I love my pup. Ancient Trition has one goal, to transform the health of every individual on the planet. Just that. (laughs) That's what drives Ancient Nutrition to create whole food nutritional products made with real ingredients for real results that you can see and feel. Every product is rooted in tradition and supported by science. Ancient Nutrition is based in traditional Chinese herbalism and Ayurveda, which are ways of eating and thinking that have survived generations, combined with today's modern research. Ancient Nutrition believes proper nutrition isn't just about eating the right foods. It's about ingredients that your body can actually use. And that's why they source the world's highest quality ingredients and rigorously test them for pesticides, herbicides, and heavy metals. And they do everything they can to create products that our bodies can easily digest and absorb. Every one of their products has a purpose. So you can try my favorite one, the multi-collagen protein, if you're looking for a great place to start. Multi-collagen protein can help revitalize your joints, skin, and hair, and it can reduce joint discomfort as early as day one. And it even improves your skin tone after eight weeks. It's made with clinically studied ingredients, including five types of collagen. And all you do is easily stir a little scoop in your morning coffee. No flavor. It dissolves right away. You don't even know you're doing it, except it's really good for you. So go to ancientnutrition.com. Use the code H-U-M-A-N-S for 20% off your first Ancient Nutrition purchase. If you're looking to revitalize your joints, skin, and hair, do it with clinically studied ingredients. Use the code HUMANS for 20% off at store.draxe.com. So I want to expand on that a little bit. So first, I want to go back to when you're talking about young children. Can you give the actual language you recommend in terms of letting them know, you know, if you see X, maybe put your hands over your eyes or close the top or what, what exactly would you recommend saying? Sure. So in my book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, actually, so I first wrote Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids, which was for seven to 11 year olds. And because I knew these kids were getting into porn and I wanted, you know, parents to have an easy way to begin this conversation. But then as I, you know, would go and speak, I would get parents coming to me and saying, hey, um, do you have a book for younger children? Are you going to write a book for like preschoolers? And I remember just the first time a mother asked me that, I just felt like someone had punched me, you know, in the gut, like, what? You know, I thought seven was early. I myself who study this a lot. But I could see that parents were becoming more and more concerned and alarmed. And as I looked into this, I could see. So you asked me what the language is. So basically, when you open good pictures, bad pictures, it begins by talking about pictures, right? There are good pictures and here are some examples and 
These pictures help remind us of all the good things in our lives and the, the good people and the relationships we have and the wonderful places we've been, et cetera, et cetera. But not all pictures are good. Some are bad. Some are bad for you. And then we just give a simple definition of pornography, basically. And that is pictures, videos, or even cartoons of people uh, with little or no clothing on that focus on the private parts of the body we keep covered with a swimsuit. So that is very, very general. I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's enough so that they can recognize it. And I would argue that if a child is seeing nudity online, they're probably not looking at a picture of the Sistine Chapel. So you I'm, need I'm to actually, give them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so how do you, can you, just in case, like I have art history books, for example, because I was an art history major in college. So I have a lot of art books around my living room and my kids have seen them their whole lives. Now I've tried to, they're not photography, they're definitely paintings. And I, I've, right, so. I've always allowed for, I've never really, yeah. now that I think about it, I've, I've always distinguished between that and pornography, but I've never been explicit about how this is not that. And they've never thought it was. Right. Because it isn't, most of that is not sexualized. You know, it's right. not focusing on a certain part of the body. It is not objectifying. Usually art, you know, kind of celebrates the beauty of the human body. It so it's is not, not about the nudity. It's really about the sexualizing. Right. And, and I have some articles on protectyoungminds.org about how to explain the difference between art and pornography. And so I would invite your listeners to check out those articles. It's a nuanced conversation. And it is difficult to have it with a three-year-old. <laughs> right. But as they and get I, a little older, <laughs> so not all nudity, you know, I would say you have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. You have to start with a basic definition. And yes, you know, I've been criticized. It says, well, all nudity is not porn. I know. But you've got to make things simple for a child. Right. And if you're not yet explaining sex, and sexuality and, um, and actually I shouldn't even say sexuality, but if you're not yet explaining sexual behavior at all with kids who are younger, then you probably don't, that then it probably doesn't cause any problems using that language. And then as they get older, you might want to get more specific about it so that they don't start thinking, well, wait a second, is that porn? Is that porn when really it's just right. Right. a nude so that's a really good point. And I understand, I can see both how people might say to you, well, wait a second, isn't that going to make kids be confused and think that all nudity is bad? But what you're saying is, no, I'm just being simple with language for young children who can't really get into the nuance of this conversation yet. And you just need to right. give them a basic understanding. Right. And, and we say in the books, I say, you know, all parts of your body are good. But taking pictures of the private parts of your body and, you know, sharing them with others can be unsafe. Yes. So that also kind of sets you up for conversations about 
what kinds of pictures you would share with other people. And, you know, you wouldn't want to share nudes with other people um, because it can be unsafe uh, for yourself. And um, so you start with a basic, just a very basic definition so they can recognize it when they see it. Because it's not if, it's when. And I think most parents somehow just have this myth. There's this myth that my child is five or six or seven. They wouldn't be interested in seeing this. And unfortunately, we live in such a hypersexualized media environment that kids are interested. They are curious. And if no one gives them direction, then how are they going to know that this could prove to be harmful down, down the line to them or even addict, you know, become an addiction? There are more tools today to know how to begin these conversations with children and to give them enough information so we're not ruining their innocence or whatever, but so that they can recognize it. Because recognizing it and having the vocabulary to talk about it And also knowing that it's okay to talk about it with your mom or dad or, you know, caregiver, then that is huge because so many kids are exposed to pornography and they never tell. They don't go right to mom and say, you know what Bobby showed me? Or I have a story of a, a mom that went to pick up her two girls. They were playing at a friend's house. And as she pulled up, she saw this little friend of theirs showing them something on her smartphone, which, I mean, she was like in third grade, right? They get in the car and she said, what, what did she show you? What was she showing you on, our, on her phone? And they looked at each other kind of with this, you know, this conspiratorial glance. And they said, um, it was a My Little Pony video. And it was only when she opened up this conversation's Um, I'm sorry, it was only when she opened up this conversation and read them good pictures, bad pictures, that they opened up and said, mom, remember when we said that it wasn't, it was pornography that she showed us. And these were little, you know, young, young children, very young, Mm -hmm. probably age seven and eight or seven and nine. They, for months, they kept this a secret because they didn't know how to talk to her. It's the shortest month of the year, which means you have a little bit less time for your to-do list. And Policy Genius can help you check off two very big items from that list with ease. Compare insurance rates and save 50% or more in the process. That means more cash for things that you care about, whatever those may be. And there's no hassle. There's licensed experts to work for you, not the insurance companies, and they offer unbiased advice when you need it. So here's how it works. You go to policygenius.com and in minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and you can compare quotes from top insurers to find the best prices. And then Policy Genius compares the policies that are available starting at as little as a dollar a day. You might even be eligible to skip the in-person medical exam. And once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape, all of that awful pain in the butt, paperwork and red tape. 
And if you hit any speed bumps during the process, they take care of everything. So if you're worried that March is just around the corner and you've barely gotten anything done, take a deep breath. Policy Genius will help you make the most of the short month in minutes, and you can save 50% or more by comparing quotes. And feel good knowing that your loved ones would be taken care of if anything were to happen. Not something that we ever want to think about, but something that we have to be responsible to think about. Go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. I have um, two experiences that um, highlighted the importance of having these conversations. And also something that you said that really needs to be reiterated is to let kids know that it's okay if this happens, that you want them to come to you. Because I do have a client who had an experience where her child, who was eight at the time, this child was exposed to pornography and he didn't say anything and his behavior was changing and different things were happening. And so the mom looked through her history on the iPad because she wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on with her child who hadn't said anything. And at this point, a few months had gone by and it was like one of those iPads that was lying around, not very used. She came upon what he saw and she reached out to him and she said, you know, I noticed that this was on the iPad and I wonder if this is something that you saw and if you had any questions. And he burst into tears and he said he had and he didn't want to say anything because he was so scared. And what he said that I think was so heartbreaking is that his body felt a little bit like he enjoyed watching it and it made him and he knew it was bad and wrong. And so he didn't want to get in trouble. And he was really mad at himself for the feelings that he had of being aroused. And that was heartbreaking because he didn't even understand that that's just his body's response. And it's not because of something he did wrong. Um, So it was important that they had the conversation, but she would have never guessed that it was pornography. This was not a kid she thought would ever even know what he was seeing. And it's the same thing that you're talking about, these things that happen earlier than you would imagine. And the shame that was involved for him in what his body felt like upon seeing it. And he just wanted to get rid of those images from his head and he wanted to get rid of that feeling. Um, And I wonder in that scenario, you know, what other than saying, if you see something like that, close your eyes, what other, or put it down or whatever, what other solutions or suggestions do you have for parents of kids who might come across pornography before they are ready? And then we can get into what does even being ready mean? Okay, well, first of all, I think when you are talking to a child about pornography and you're defining what it is, you know, I gave you that simple definition. Pornography can be tricky because it's designed to feel exciting to your body, right? And it tricks your Mm -hmm. brain into releasing, you know, a big dose of chemicals that make your body feel really good. We We can say the word arousal if we want to, but for a short time, but tricking the brain with pornography can lead to big problems later on. And that, you know, but sometimes it can feel like the pull of a giant magnet. So we don't want to shame kids. We want them to know that this is perfectly normal, that kids have a biological response 
They shouldn't feel ashamed of that, but it, it can be problematic down the line because it can develop into an addiction. And we go through, you know, the thinking brain and the feeling brain and all of that brain science to help kids understand how an addiction, especially an addiction to pornography starts, but really you can apply this to any addiction. It's the same basic pathways and children need to know this. They need to know how their brain reacts to pornography and to know that it's okay that they react that way. But I have rarely heard of a child that saw pornography and didn't feel like both feelings, you know, this right, this feeling of maybe arousal or intense curiosity, maybe even a compulsion to look for more, and also a feeling of shame and a feeling of, I know this isn't right. This, there's something wrong about this. And there is something wrong about it. It's called incredible misogyny and objectification of women, especially, but they have an innate sense about it, but it's so confusing if no one's explained it to them and no one has given them permission to talk about it. Let's talk about the plan. Okay. So in the books, I'll just set it up like this, that kids need to have a definition right? So they know what it is. They can recognize it. They need to have a warning so that they know that pornography can become a real problem and, um, and it's, it can be dangerous. And then third, they need a plan. They need to know what to do when they see it. So in our little junior book, we have, you know, turn, run, and tell. Turn away from it, run, you know, find your trusted adult and tell them never keep bad pictures, a secret. And then with our older one, we have the can-do plan. So the first letters of, you know, can stand for close your eyes, always tell a trusted adult and name it when you see it. And all of this is based on brain science, neuroscience, because if you stay looking at a picture for a long period of time, you know, that just gets burned uh, into your brain and as quickly as you can turn away, reduces exposure. And that, that is helpful. Always tell a trusted adult that helps to relieve them of secrecy. Uh, we know that, you know, secrecy is not a good thing when it comes to pornography and kids. And it releases, there's a, it just releases a certain uh, hold that pornography has on them when they can talk about it. And then name it when you see it is again, kind of using that thinking part of your brain to label it. So it has a little bit more control over the feeling part of your brain. And we talk a lot about uh, the thinking brain and the feeling brain, in good pictures, bad pictures. But those three things are the first things that a child who is exposed to pornography should be taught to do. And we have posters that you can get on our website, on our resources page, of this can-do plan. Um, of course, it's better if you have a lot, you know, if you can explain it to the child, but uh, those three things immediately upon exposure. But then what happens when the child is, the, the memories of those shocking images return and 
I know I've been exposed to some imagery that I wanted to be able to forget. And so we have uh, developed kind of a, a couple of steps that will help a child forget porn. Now I'm putting air quotes around that because <laughs> you really can't, as you probably know, forget, you know, something in an active sense. The more you try to forget something, the more you'll remember it. But you can distract the brain away from it to something else that's really exciting. And as you practice doing that over and over again, every time that image pops up, the you're basically creating a new neural pathway away from that image, away from that uh, those sets of images to something else. And the pathway that went to that you know, image, that memory gets kind of like weakened and grown over with weeds. And eventually, if you practice this enough within a day or two, it seems to recede quite a bit. So I think, again, we need to teach children these cognitive skills, how to, how to minimize some of the shocking images that they, that they are going to see. And so you recommend basically a cognitive behavioral exercise when they have seen an image and then it goes back into their memory of something to do in that moment to block that image. Yeah, something. So for example, you know, if your kid is really into a three-year-old grandson, he's probably a little, you know, he's just starting to be, you know, aware of things and, but he loves trains. Oh my gosh, this kid is absolutely obsessed with trains. So whatever Mm. floats their boat, right? (laughs) Right. Um, Whatever is exciting to them. And that's why it has to be customized. So they choose the the image. They Mm -hmm. choose the exciting thing to think about. It's better if it has like emotional import, right? So that they can think about it and it can be strong enough to pull them away from the image of pornography. Something they really enjoy Mm -hmm. doing. And I've heard of kids... Or maybe going out, you know, and doing something physical that also includes the the mind, right? I've also had kids say that they will go and like practice a musical instrument because that's physical. It's also, you know, they have to think a lot about it as they practice and it really helps to take their mind off of those images. And just the more you practice it, I've done this myself and it works. And so, yeah, you're essentially introducing them to cognitive behavioral theory. So you have this plan of action. You've chosen what it is that is going to replace the thought. And you exercise the muscle to remind yourself when that happens to replace it until eventually it becomes rote. My question is, what about the kids who want more and they don't want to do that work? And, right. and those kids are a little bit older probably and will have a little bit more access. Right. So it's so important for kids to understand and for us to persuade them, right? Because we're not going to keep them from it. If, right. if you think you can keep your kid from pornography, it's just not going to happen. Yes, you should reduce exposure as much as possible, work together as a family. But if they want it, they'll get past everything and they will get it. I think as soon as children get to be age nine, 10, you are going to be, you know, if you've started young, ideally, uh, you are going to be now persuading them, just like you're persuading them 
to be a good person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be kind, to be honest. Um, you you are always teaching your child, and it's no different with pornography. You need to persuade them why it's not going to serve them in the future and why it's going to hurt them. I have a lot of these arguments I've been developing to help parents. For example, when you're teaching your child about sex and about, you know, you you probably are going to start with the mechanics of how babies, you know, are made, but you also are going to talk about your values around sex and your guidelines. And the thing about it is that when you teach a child, you know, about healthy sexual behavior and attitudes, you can show that it's pretty much the exact opposite than what is shown in pornography. So, whereas, and maybe this is just me, but I think there are a lot of parents feel this way. Ideally, sex should involve love. Ideally, it should build an emotional bond. Ideally, it should value the entire individual and not objectify them. Ideally, it should be real, uplifting, empowering, whereas pornography is the exact opposite. It's often violent. It leads to isolation. It's selfish. It's dehumanizing. It's degrading. It's addicting. And it's pretty artificial. So unfortunately, kids watch it and they think, oh, this is what I can expect. And there's a whole other conversation about kind of getting to college and what's happening for, you know, emerging adults in their sex Mm -hmm. lives because of porn. But not today. Jane.com is a boutique marketplace featuring the latest in women's fashion, trends, accessories, home decor, children's clothing, toys, and more. Jane.com features hundreds of new products every day, offering you everything you need to live your best, most stylish life. So every day is a sale at Jane.com. They offer a wide variety of categories and styles, so you can find something for everyone and everything in your life even your dog or cat. Over 400 new products drop daily. Everything from apparel for the whole family, home decor, toys, novelty items, kind of you name it. And if you love a good deal or you like to seize savings, definitely go to jane.com. Jane.com products only last for a limited time. So it's kind of fun. See what you can catch. And by shopping at jane.com, you support small businesses. They offer products and name brands from over 2,000 shops at great prices. So find your next discovery at jane.com slash humans. So talking about a child who is not yet sexually active or interested in um, being sexually active, is there a different argument or a less sophisticated argument that, that you could use? Or maybe my question is, what are your top three ways of convincing an 11-year-old versus, let's say, a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old about why to fight the urge to continue to go back to pornography? 
you know, when they're in preschool to age six, you just want to, you know, begin with that definition, teach them simple concepts about it's harmful, and then, you know, what to do when they see it. As they get a little older, six to 10, you probably want to introduce about their brains, the thinking brain, the feeling brain, how an addiction occurs, and how, you know, porn really shows people being mean to each other instead of being loving and kind and, you know, what to do when they see it. Uh, As they get to be 10 to 13, this is really where you've got to turn on a lot of the persuasion and teaching them about Mm. healthy sex versus porn sex. I would say that you would want to teach them how pornography turns people into objects and how, you know, you can take an object like a ball and you can kick it and you're not going to worry that the ball is, you know, going to be hurt. But when you turn a human into an object in your mind, you can hurt that human and not worry about it, right? When you objectify people, it's much easier to hurt them. And we see that in porn all the time. That is just the normal thing in pornography is, is uh, hurting and violence. And um, because when you put violence and sex together in the brain, I mean, it just, boom, dopamine. And so really important that we teach children that we recognize the difference between, we get really clear and intentional, the difference between healthy sex and what's going to lead to a healthy, intimate relationship and porn sex. I also believe that we need to talk to kids about the mental health harms of porn and addiction and that it fuels sex trafficking and child sex trafficking. And that many porn actors are abused or trafficked. And that the porn industry's business model is founded on what I would call sexploitation. They like to put it out there. Oh, it's all consensual. It's all, you know, people are, this is what people want to do. But there's so much evidence that porn performers are, um, have been trafficked and, you know, it's just really sad. So, you know, when I talk to kids and teens, I'll say, you know, do you want to vote for sex trafficking? Do you want to vote for this? And do you want to vote for racism? Do you want to vote for that? Because when you click on a porn site, that's in essence what you're doing. Even though you're not paying, you're getting ads and those are paying. That's a monetary thing. So, And I think what's useful about that is not just that it's obviously an important part of social activism, but that adolescents really do care about their social activism. And if you help them understand the implications of watching pornography, it doesn't mean the same thing to, you know, an adolescent brain is really meant to fight for justice. And so if you can frame it that way, then you're really helping them come to terms with this potential addiction that they can, you know, break habits before they become too regular and to the point where it does become addictive. And the other thing that I think is really wonderful about what you're saying is when you talk to kids about how their brains work, that you don't want to get to a point where you're, you know, looking for more dopamine hits and you have to watch more and more porn to get more of that, that it is going to mess with their brain in a way that, again, if they're aware of it and they know the strategies they can use to help 
focus their brain in other ways and help avoid those addictions, that it's much more empowering. And I think the last thing that works well with kids and teens, even though it should be very effective, is that it will mess with their own sexual relationships or their own connection with people only because it's like they have more trouble thinking about, you know, something being unhealthy for them in that way when they don't have those relationships yet or they don't really understand what they're like. It's hard to grasp that they might actually not be able to have an erection around uh, an intimate partner because of how much porn they've watched because they're just in a different maybe place. Although I think all that information is so important, but helping them understand how their brain works and how to adjust their brain to have better habits at a time when they're restructured, you know, the adolescent brain is getting renovated, so to speak. And then Mm -hmm. also that social activism and what an important part, even down to, you know, what ads are supporting that pornography. I think that's really wonderful to highlight with those wonderful adolescent brains that are responsive to those kinds of arguments, just to go back to how you were saying, like really pitch this as something they have to fight against rather than just explaining what it is. They need to buy into the fact that this isn't healthy for them in a way that isn't like, well, actually, let me ask you this. This is probably a a little bit of a controversial question, but is there in your mind, like if a child or if a teenager asked you, is there any porn that you feel comfortable? Is there any healthy porn? Do you think there is healthy porn? I mean, I'm curious what you think. That's a really good question. And I know there are many people that say that there is healthy porn. So this is how I think about it. When I think about sex and a sexual relationship with my husband, I think about something we create together that's unique and that bonds us. And it's not for me a performance. Um, It's a way to show love. So I believe that all porn is performance. You know, this is how you perform. Sex becomes performance. Sex becomes something you, you know, you watch, you get good at, whatever. And I think that trains the brain to see sex in in a way that really becomes dysfunctional. Because if you see sex as simply a performance, you may really miss the intimacy and and how how it can really be a way of showing love in a way that's you know takes in the whole person, not just uh, I've got to have this body shape, this body type, you know I've got to you know this part has to be big, this part has to be small, and if I only can be that way. That's the way I can have good sex. And I feel like that totally takes kids in the wrong direction. So I would say that there's really no good pornography, that there's no healthy pornography. And I realize others will disagree with me on that, but I bring it down to is is sex a performance or is sex a way to show your love and commitment to your partner? In order for your kids to talk to you about this, to have a plan, to be able to handle these really sophisticated, and they're not sophisticated because there's, you know, pornography is sophisticated, but just the the feelings that come along with all of this. 
really require a lot of life experiences that they haven't had yet. And so to have the safety of being able to have an open conversation with your loving adult caregivers puts you in a much better position to be able to navigate this really complicated world where the where we can't protect kids in the same way that we could have pre, you know, iPads and internet. And when I was a kid, it was definitely like, you know, if you got the Victoria's Secret catalog, that was exciting for guys. Not, you know, there just wasn't the same access. You'd have to have porn videos and you would have to have like certain channels on cable where if you wanted to watch or do anything you needed to pay and call. And it just was a different thing. Now it's like yeah. the you can yeah. see anything. Right. When you think about, we have really protected children with their toys. We protected them with their, you know, uh, equipment, car seats, and we don't sell cigarettes or alcohol to eight-year-olds anymore. <laughs> but, you know, we don't have the same protection when it comes to uh, sexually explicit material, pornography. There are adults who find different things. Like I don't, whatever adults do in their sexual connections with their particular partner and loved one, if that is appealing to them, that's appealing to them. But your child brain and your teenage brain hasn't had a chance to form that yet. And so what's happening with habits in adolescence is that they're, you know, you're you're getting, you're wiring your brain to think and do behaviors that really weren't necessarily in the cards for you. And mm-hmm. you don't have the life experience to make those decisions. And when they're adults, if that becomes appealing to them, you know, Godspeed, have it. <laughs> um, but you're wired already. You're not setting your brain up for a lifetime of, you know, need for dopamine hits to get a thrill sexually or to, you know, whatever it is. I mean, the adolescent brain is, it's so beautiful, but it is in the process of change and it's vulnerable because of that. And it's also wonderful. So you can make great habits during that time that can last a lifetime. But I think getting involved and having these conversations so that by the time that brain is transitioning, it's prepared for what's coming at it. Those challenges are there. And porn is, you know, a huge one um, that they know what to do. And so it sounds like starting at a much earlier age, even though it can make a lot of adults feel so uncomfortable, like, oh my God, I don't even want to ruin my the innocence of my young <laughs> child by bringing this up. But it's a little bit like not talking about birth control or not talking about drunk driving. Like none of that stops the sex and none of it stops the drinking, but it can make everything a lot safer. And so communicating is everything and being comfortable. I mean, what you talked about in terms of shame, I think kids knowing that there's no shame and coming to you will change the way, you know, then they don't get stuck in a loop of continuing this exposure. Right. Yeah. And if you start young and it's much more comfortable and if they come to you and they say, you know, I saw this and I can't stop thinking about it or, you know, you can, 
help them understand what they're seeing. You can help them understand what they're feeling. You may not be an expert. You may not be, you know, like you are Dr. Pressman, (laughs) you you know, you're an expert, but you can still help them break it down. Just talking to them, just having that open conversation. And, And I will say one more thing, and that is your child is going to be safer from sexual abuse and from predators if you teach them to recognize and report mm. pornography because Great. pornography is mm-hmm. a major grooming tool. Somebody wrote in to me and told me how they they went over to a friend's house for dinner and their six-year-old went downstairs. They had put the toys downstairs while they were doing some remodeling. So they went downstairs to pick up a toy. He goes down there, but they have a renter in the basement. And just in the few minutes that he was down there picking a toy out, this renter came over, showed him pornography on his phone, said, hey, this is really fun. And maybe we could do it sometime. You know, he was starting to groom this child, child recognized it as pornography, went back up, told his mom, I think that was the end of that dinner. But, uh, (laughs) you know, imagine if that child had never had any kind of, you know, training or didn't know that that was a red flag, right? That he could talk to somebody about. So your kids are just safer from all kinds of sexual exploitation. If you open this conversation, have them come to you, have them talk to you and teach them what pornography can do to their brain and how it can become an addiction. And it's, there's so many studies, there's MRI studies, there's multiple studies showing this the addictive nature of pornography. It's a super normal stimulus. And our kids, you know, no kid deserves to face the porn industry alone. They're predatory and they want future customers. So I'm sorry, but I just, I don't see a lot of good there. And I would really encourage parents to start these conversations, not only to keep their kids safe from addiction and from these notions about sex, which I believe are unhealthy, but also to help your children be safer, not only from sexual predators, but from, you know, becoming a child that might act out on another child. This is, again, a skyrocketing problem. The military's come out. A few years ago, I was, our uh, Protect Young Minds went back to uh, Washington, D.C., and we were involved in a symposium with many people from government and from the military who have seen a huge increase on military bases of child on child, you know, harmful sexual behavior or, you know, sexual abuse. So very Mm -hmm. important that we protect our children so that they're not being exploited, not only in this way, but also online. Sextortion is also, the FBI has, you know, said that this is one of the biggest problems Kids are being groomed. They're being, you know, on chats and they're being, they're really expert. There are these rings that they have people that specialize in starting a conversation with a kid. Then they hand it off to the next person who is specialized in getting pictures from the kid. And then they, you know, and then they hand it off to the third guy who's a specialist in extorting that child to do sexual things and send sexual pictures. Um, These are dangerous 
things and pornography feeds all of it.